Today I'm talking with Maylie and Kerrigan, and they studied children's literature in Russia. So this episode is a little different in that these two looked at a whole country as opposed to a single person. So I'm very excited to hear what they've got to say. I'm so excited to hear about Russia. Yes, it was fun. <laughs> oh, cool. So I'm going to leave this up to you, um, how you want to organize sharing your information, because it's I don't know anything, and I'm just here to listen and learn. Okay, sounds good. Um, Maylee, if you want to start with the historical information, you can share what you found, and then I can jump in and add what I found. Yeah, perfect. So Russian history can be broken down into pre-1917 and post-1917, which is um, the Russian Revolutionary War or whatever they called Mm it. Um, So pre-1917 can be described as a most dramatic illustration of the disproportion that may exist between a children's and mainstream literature. Um, so children's literature then, and I'm going to apologize now, all these names I'm probably going to butcher. So <laughs> yeah, I'll give it my fun. best. But <laughs> So it includes fables from Ivan Krylov, folk tales from Ayan Asenviv, and epic tales that were typically sung or told to children. And then poems are also um, really big in Russia. They were written, but they weren't necessarily intended for children. Um, and then there was a poet translator, Balesley Zuhvosky, and he was one of the first poets of the century who dedicated their work to children. I, I think you're, you'll probably talk about this later, but I was so surprised when I read um, in your information that poetry is just, it's looked upon so differently. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Which, what we were really surprised uh, about. Yeah, it made me sad because, ugh, American, we just butcher it. You yeah. don't know how to teach it correctly. <laughs> but yes. Anyways, go ahead. I yeah. <laughs> no, you're fine. And then so lower income families relied on like fireside tale tales. Um, and even though middle class families were stronger than recognized, there was no position to support children's literature. So then the privileged, privileged class looked to the West for children's literature and children were reading Mean D. Ginless. Um, So then after the revolution, children's literature had a different appreciation. Um, Children were now seen as an adored hero. So then the Soviet children's literature developed more or less in accord with the necessities of the state. So it was then governed by ideals of socialist realism, the idealization of the new Soviet man, and a revised version of the pre-18th century adult view of children. So Maxim Gorky... An influential thinker can be thanked for the creative fantasy of children. Um, He asked that books would encourage children to become the knight of the spirit and had values aligning with Western humanistic ideals. And then despite the rich folklore that is drawn from Russia's many people and languages, it lacks in the realm of fantasy. But the one thing that is strong is poetry, and that was in the past Mm -hmm. and present. And it's said that Russian children read poetry with more passion and understanding than English-speaking children because the mind of a Russian child is carefully looked after. Yeah, what does that mean? Um, I would say that it means Russians, um, so post-revolutionary, 
really shifted their view on children. And so now they're seeing them um, as adored and highly valued. So they're really wanting to focus in on their mind and take care of it and nurture it. So I think um, the poetry, like having them read it and that be a really big part of their life would be um, carefully looking after it. Because I kind of feel like poetry is like higher level, which I know it doesn't mm-hmm. always have to be. But, you know, growing up, really mm. something we studied or read often. Right. But mm. yeah, in Russia. Yeah. And if it deal. was... And, and when you did read, I mean, typically um, in high school, you know, it's very difficult poetry, right? Yes. Like mm-hmm. Shakespeare or, or even some other Russian poets. But in elementary school, you get Charles Silverstein. So like silly, ridiculous mm-hmm. poems. But um, yeah, it's just, it's not common. And it drives me crazy because poetry is just so, it's so wonderful. And um, it's just an easy genre to have children appreciate but I don't we just don't do it (laughs) yeah I feel like that's something that really like caught our attention when we were looking Mm. at all this because um when I was looking at the history I started looking at how it evolved um from the tribes to the uh, Soviet Union and Hmm. it was talking about how the poems were performed rather than written and then they were passed down throughout the generations so for me I could like hmm. see in my head like these poems being acted out through either like singing or actually acting which I just that's something we really don't have hmm. here I remember when I was mm-hmm. in high school we would like act out some of the like Shakespeare's themes or whatever stories um, but I just feel like that's something we don't have and I think that these children probably the the poems probably really resonated with them when they were told the stories through these performances rather than just reading or right. being read to. No, I agree. It's I think it's really I was really fascinated by that. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. Something else I noticed was it said that the first written literature um started when Christianity was introduced mm-hmm. and it was written in the Cyrillic or Cyrillic I don't know how you say that (laughs) alphabet so that Mm -hmm. was um the original script (laughs) that their stories were written in and it said that for a really long time um that kept others and us here from having access to Russian literature um but now thankfully some of the greatest pieces have been translated and spread worldwide Hmm. right and then, Maylee, do you want to talk about some of the authors or illustrators that stood out to you? Yeah, I'll do some authors. So the first one was Corny, and he has a lively writing style, and he loved children. Um, his success can be compared to Harry Potter. And so some of his books are actually ones that we found, and they're just hmm. really silly books. Um, they kind of describe them as nonsense books, and that's why children love them so much. I don't think Russian authorities necessarily care for him, but since um, <laughs> his writing style is so like nonsense, the children love him. So he's, you mean his success is compared to J.K. Rowling? Yeah, like, so is he, he's as popular there as J.K. Rowling? Yes. Wow, I didn't know. Yeah, that. we didn't either. <laughs> I never, I never heard of him. I know. I never heard of him. But yeah. Yeah. Wow. Humiliating. It also <laughs> compared him to Dr. Seuss and all those stories. Yes. Um, so, 
It was, I was talking about how he uses the nonsense words and everything. So he is really popular there, Mm. like those that are popular here. Mm -hmm. So those books would be for younger. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then we found Agnia Bardo, and she's known for some poems. Valdemir Mm -hmm. Stefano, and known for writing educational books, um, intended for children, and then also books in verse, which I found really interesting because oh. that's one of our topics that we have to look for. <laughs> yeah. So. Novel in verse, it's one of my all-time favorite genres. Yes. And that's actually one of my topics. So I've been looking for some of those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Put in some of the Russian yeah. ones. That would be awesome. <laughs> and then, I love that. Yes. And then we have Nikolai Nos- Nosev, and he created the children's hero Neznakia, which... um. I think would be compared to like our superheroes over here. Oh. And then Irina Grina, which she wrote fairy tales, poems, and songs. Holly Webb, colorful, lovable covers of kittens and puppies, and then also Christmas stories. And then Alexander Vol- Volkov, which is, um, he wrote The Wizard of Emerald City, which was based on The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Yeah, him, I, he him he i have heard of yeah Yeah. those last two she talked about i looked into and i looked at holly Mm -hmm. webb's um so the illustrations and the story in her books were really cute just probably caught the kids attentions um Mm -hmm. there was one of the books that had a kitten on the front of it like it's like uh maylee talked about and they were all just colorful like the illustrations really i think draw Mm -hmm. draw the kids to the stories and then of course Christmas stories. Growing up, I've always loved Christmas stories, and just reading them the night before Christmas makes me excited. So I feel mm-hmm. like um, she probably gave the kids that opportunity as well. Um, were they picture books? Or yes. Could you read them? Were they translated? Um, no, we couldn't find them translated, so I really just looked at the illustrations. Oh. That's something uh-huh. that we noticed was it is still really hard to find some of, like, some of the books that aren't the most popular Mm -hmm. it is still hard to find them translated but we found that if you go to the websites of the authors that they have the translations on there um they're not necessarily like you can't really look at the illustrations and the translated text at the same time but they do have it translated on the websites for people like us yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i didn't know that yeah carrion do you want to talk about some illustrators yes so, again, these names, they're, I apologize. <laughs> um, I'll, go ahead, it's okay. I'll go ahead and talk about um, Gannady Spiron. She moved to Germany in the late 1980s and then to the United States in 1991. So her work is actually stored in art museums in Milan and Princeton University. So with her moving wow. over here, her work is in the United States, and I'm sure those stories are translated. Um, and then another one that I really liked was Anton Lama Ev. Um, he was known for his fantasy illustrations. Um, I think that's something that catches kids' attention. I mean, right now I know all the little girls in my classes are just fa- fascinated by unicorns. And they. I just think that his stories probably, um, it's just cool for them to be able to see the different fantasy pictures and stories that go along with that I think that's something that kids really enjoy looking at and reading Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then can, can you go back? Can you go back to Spearin? Is that how I don't know how to yes. say his name? Yes. Yes. Um, why? Why was her work in museums? Is it the art, like her her artwork, yeah. or the actual book? Yeah, Maylee, wasn't it? You looked at her, I think, more than I did. Wasn't it her work, like her illustrations? Huh. Yes, I believe it was her illustrations. Huh. That's so interesting, because she's not that old. I mean, Mm-mm. you know. Yeah. Yeah, she's not. But, um, yeah, I think she can. But to have in museums, it's just, that's that's unusual yeah it is cool. i think it's interesting i have to look her up yeah i think she does she does do and did do a lot more than just mm. illustrations for books but that is something that i wanted to look further into as well um mm. and then we both can talk about our stories um by corny Chikovsky that we were talking about earlier the guy who is very popular over there we both found a story by his that we thought was pretty cool so maylee if you want to talk about yours mm. first yeah, so mine is called The Crocodile, and it was published in 1999, and it's still popular today among Russian children. Um, again, this his books are written in nonsense and gibberish and has artful wordplay. Um, I went back and tried to like kind of read some of this, and this book's actually divided into three different parts. And so the first parts are kind of dark. It talks about like the crocodile just walking around and eating people and swallowing people and kind of causing chaos <laughs> with everyone um eating people. yeah it was just really random and it was kind of hard to follow for me because some of the translations weren't like super accurate at the end uh, um it was a happy ending and i found out though which i thought was interesting um i kind of mentioned this earlier but russian authorities aren't really big with happy endings hmm. and so that's huh. why they don't really like his work um i couldn't find why but yeah, this is a great example of children's poetry with nonsense and gibberish. So yeah, I I chose oh his book. I'm sorry, no, his fine. book. That book was all the crocodiles, all poetry. Yes, it was. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay, and it was translated into English, but not a great translation. I don't think so. I was on his website, and from what I could find, mm-hmm. some of it just didn't really make sense to me. So I was just trying mm-hmm. to, like, do it the best I could, to, like, kind of put all the pieces together just to get an overall idea of what was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think that's, first of all, that's how a lot of children start <laughs> when they can't decode yes. a text, right? Yeah. They figure out what it's about. But also with translation, you can get some really bad translations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not always and the best, y- the easiest. Yeah. To and how do you know? Like, yeah. I wouldn't know if I was unless things just didn't make sense but yeah. um i know i've read like novels that have been translated and oh, i love that book and then somebody who knows the language will come to you know yeah oh that was horrible <laughs> yeah. right <laughs> yes so i don't know i guess it's all and then the story it's all relative it is the story that i chose was also by corny Tchaikovsky or whatever um <laughs> and it was called monster cockroach and i feel like this book was also a poem oh. Um, but I feel like this book really teaches a lesson that maybe a lesson that we would teach here, um, and kind of reminded me of some other books that we teach here specifically, um, with bullying. So the story was about an overgrown cockroach that bullies and rolls over all other animals, but in the end he was swooped up by 
a sparrow. So he became prey in the end. And it kind of teaches the lesson hmm. of they're not always going to be the top dog. And if you don't treat others right, then you're not going to be treated right. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was also a poem. I was looking and reading it. And I did notice that even after tr- the translation, there's a few words that are left in Russian. And I think that's important. I see a lot of that in stories now. Mm. I mean, just in my host classroom, we've read stories and there's a couple of words that are still um, in the first language. Like, even if it's something Mm -hmm. that we may know of, like abuela is often still used um, when referring to Mm -hmm. grandma in children's stories that we read. But I feel like that's kind of important. And like my, my host teacher Mm -hmm. always like would say that means grandma or you know I just feel Mm -hmm. like that's kind of a cool way for these students Mm -hmm. to understand that these personal narratives they're going to use their first language right and that's that goes back to translation some some words Mm -hmm. are impossible to translate into English and you just have to use the but so the other thing I was thinking about was if this was uh, like Dr. Seuss which is so lyrical Mm -hmm. right if it's translated into English, you, you would lose that lyrical yeah, you're right. yeah. voice, wouldn't you? I think so. I mean, I can imagine Dr. Seuss getting translated into Russian and sounding just off. Yeah, yeah exactly. They, I think some of the words that were left in Russian, um, they would be like right after one another. So it kind of sounded like mm. that rhyming or whatever that we're uh, used to. That's interesting. Yeah. Hey, were you able to listen to any of the books? Like, did you look at any they, videos? Or... They weren't translated. So actually the story that I'm... But that's what, yeah, that I think is cool yeah. to listen to it in Russia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it was cool. I did listen to it. Awesome. Of course, I Good. Mm-hmm. didn't know exactly what they were saying, but then I was able to follow along with the text that is typed out. And it was actually a little kid right. telling the story. So that was really cool to see. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's really yeah. cool. That's great. Yeah, it was cool. Um, but then can you send the link to that? Cause I'll put it up on the website. I think that's, yeah, great, I can do that. That would be after, great to have. Um, I'll do that as soon as we're done here, but yeah, I think that would be something cool for everyone to see. And then mm-hmm. kind of to wrap it all up, we were talking about what su- what su- surprised us and what we found different. And like we've already mentioned, just the poetry was something that really caught our attention. So Bailey, if you want to talk about what surprised you or what was different from your experience, you can go ahead and do that. Yeah, so I was just really surprised how popular poetry re- poetry was, and especially with the younger mm-hmm. children, just because, like, when I grew up, I don't think we had any poetry books in my house. Um, it was something we would just kind of read in class and talk about, but I always preferred stories that, like, had, um, mm-hmm. like, action and adventure and excitement. And so that wasn't really poetry to me, but finding out, you know, how different it was from my experience. And then I just thought that was really interesting and really surprised me. Yeah. Well, it's poetry. I don't know. It sort of reminds me of, you know, when people do multicultural weeks, it's poetry yes. month in yes. February yeah. because of Valentine's and you can't just read a poem one month, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it should be all the time consistently. So I think that's part of it is um, we associate poetry with just, oh, yeah, I studied that in school. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's just so sad. Yeah, I feel like I like, unfortunately, and sadly, like when we had to write poetry, 
it was almost like a downer it's in, when we were in yeah, high school. Right. And it's Torture. because we didn't know we weren't exposed to it mm. like we should have been. So it was kind of like, right. okay, we need to rhyme the last word in the sentence. Like it was just, we well. didn't really know <laughs> the purpose or right. why we were doing it because we never really had the experience. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. I'll get you the love poem. Yes. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um. And then I talked about how literature for me was always written. So just the idea of them performing mm. their poetry and like being able to see that. I talked about how bedtime stories for me may have been just mm-hmm. orally performed um, because they were often made up or memorized. Um, but mm. I had never experienced like poetry being performed. Um, so that's something that I thought was really cool. And there are a lot of stories that I have read that have been passed down through generations. Um, and we do have different tra- uh, traditions, but unfortunately I never experienced poetry through performance the way they did. Do they do it in school? Did you read anything about? I couldn't find what could, Maylie, hmm. could you find much about? I the almost classroom? feel like they do. The poetry? Hmm. I think so. I think on one Mm -hmm. of the websites that we were looking at, it did say um, sometimes these poems can be performed. Yeah. I think Mm -hmm. it's mainly started out as performances. Um, Like we talked about, they didn't have written written literature at first. So I think that's probably how it started off as. And I would hope that some traditional teachers still do it that way. But I know that like all of the authors that we talked about, all those poems are now written. So I'm sure the teacher Mm -hmm. does read the story or the poems, but I mean, like we, like even reading a Dr. Seuss, you feel like you're performing because it's fun to Mm -hmm. read and it's, you can catch on easily. Like, so I feel Mm -hmm. like it's probably a little bit of both now, just after time has evolved. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I just, I think it's great that, they're growing up with with a completely different attitude of yeah. poetry than oh, yeah. we yeah. tend to have in the States. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I think that was our main takeaway was how big poetry is and how special yeah. it is and how these kids are exposed from such a young age. But mm, yeah. Oh, it's really yeah, interesting. It it shows how different things are introduced mm-hmm. in schools in different mm-hmm. countries, which um yeah. Yeah. important but I think that's all I have Maylie do you have anything else to add I think we kind of covered it all yes yeah. I'm so <laughs> glad you both did this I wish more people had chosen countries it's it fascinating is. to me yeah. to, to hear about how things are so yeah you know how they became their fairy tales and folk tales where those came from I mean ours are all from yeah Europe. and um so it's really interesting to to read about those thank you so so thank so, you so much that was a yeah, lot thank of you <laughs> that you put into this and i appreciate it well so thank much. you and maylee thank you for the for the um <laughs> well, thank you and say we appreciate you so. <laughs> yes we do <laughs> uh, yeah. thank you you guys take care oh sorry i can't say you guys <laughs> you women take care well, thank you so do. much thank you thank you <laughs>